Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TheDestralProds.com, movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Drummer today we have Caveman. Aloha. Rascal won't be with us because he's currently being hunted by emus. Yeah, those fuckers. The rebellion begins now. Oh, but anyway, yeah, we're here. We're both tired. We're both fucking fucked. We're going to talk about some shit. Yay, shit. I guess, uh, some stuff we have in common to talk about. Let's talk about Disenchantment. Ah, I only watched the first episode. I've watched the first three episodes. Oh, boy, this could have been better. That's a shame. Yeah, so I guess for those that are this Jamin new Netflix series, uh, I guess it's a 10-episode series right now. It is made by the Simpsons guy. Well, not just Matt Groening. It's also a bunch of Matt Groening's writing partners from the Simpsons era and Futurama and the majority of the Futurama voice cast. Yeah, there's a lot of Futurama in here, people. Like, Yeah, and it, like, is the, it is, you know, take down of fantasy tropes. While also embracing them? Yeah, it's... It's weird. It is a weird thing that doesn't really... Have... It doesn't really know what it wants to be yet, I don't think. Like, with... uh, I'm I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. There are... A lot of the jokes in here don't land very well. No, they don't. Especially Elfo. Oh, Elfo is the fucking worst. Like the first, the first joke that kind of made me worried about this entire show was at the beginning. Princess Bean, she gets brought back uh, to the castle to her dad, and her dad's like, hey, "You go fucking change," because her dad's voiced by John DiMaggio. Uh huh. So takes off her shirt. Come on. Yeah. So takes off her shirt in the middle of the fucking throne room. Walks out, and John DiMaggio screams, "Anybody who looks at my daughter, anybody who looks at her, will get their will get decapitated. Everybody covers their, covers their eyes." She walks out, this guy walks in, it's like, oh boy, did I look at that. Wait, what? I'm just like, mm, Yeah, that joke that doesn't make just, any mm. sense. <laughs> like, why would you announce that yeah, when who, walking into the throne room with the father right there? Not even that, just who the fuck announces, hey, I looked at that women's breasts? Yeah, no, it's, it's nonsensical. Like, I'll agree with that completely. Yeah, and then... <laughs> From there, there's just a lot of jokes that, again, don't land, go on for a bit too long, don't have really necessary, don't really have like a great payoff. All a lot of them fall flat, and a weird number of them are Game of Thrones. Yeah, like yeah, there's there's a recurring bit, and I think like the second or third episode, where a dude stabs himself on the fucking on the fucking Iron Throne. He just like. He like drops a Dude, ring. Dude, that was in the first episode. Okay, yeah, fucking then. Yeah, he like he like drops a ring, goes down to goes to pick it up, and then stabs a sword through his head. And he's still alive. And apparently in the middle of it, he pulled his head off the sword, then switched the way he was looking and said went back down on it. Cause in a later episode it's like it's like, hey, so he killed one guy, and he's like, Oh, I'm not actually dead yet. But he's looking the other way. No, that's still the same bit. That's the same. That's all in the first episode. 
Like, I'm pretty sure that bit is in the... Like, I'm pretty sure I remember that bit, and I've only seen, like, the first episode. No, and what, what I'm saying is, like, they, they do that bit, and then... Oh, they bring it back? Later, they bring it back. Oh, good lord. They just left him in there. Uh, that that's, that's dumb. But in leaving him in okay. there, he changed the way he was looking. So there's a lot of weird stuff like that. Um, a lot of the other jokes they do are just kind of... Like, hey, you thought it was this way, but it's actually this way. Like, they go to the Wishmaster, and and it's like, oh, I'm the Washmaster. It's wash the Washmaster. They got the fucking, like, picks. They got t- fucking Tinkerbell turning tricks. Which just... Mm, yeah, eh. she swallowed a swallow. Yeah. Eric Andre is also really not great in this. Like, like just the writing on Lucy the Demon is... Like, I don't understand the purpose of that character, too, because like his whole thing is like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to bring Princess Bean to the dark side. But she's already there. We're introduced to her inciting a bar fight, cheating, and stealing that guy's money. Like, that's pretty dark side already. You don't really... Like, the only way, the only way that, like, him bring her over to the dark side could be more is if, as if he was, like, trying to convince her to just, like... Murder, rape, pillage... Yeah, just, just essentially, instead of being like, hey, yeah, don't fucking murder that guy or whatever, or like, or stuff like that, it's like, it'd be like, hey, what you gotta do is you just gotta fucking like take this knife and just run it up his goddamn spine. Then puppet him around like a person, like a fucking marionette for, for the rest of your marriage, thus you're in charge. I wouldn't say that she was dark side, I would say that she's firmly in the gray, and like, doesn't give a shit about it. So okay, like, she fair. could very easily be dark side, like, you just like... A little bit less shit giving, you know. But like, you, you know what? I mean? But you didn't need to send a fucking demon. Send like no a note. Uh, like, and the worst part is he's not a very good demon. No, he's he an entertaining demon, not a not a scary demon. It's just like, woo. I didn't even find that entertaining. Like he just sound, kind of seems like flat. I, I I I look at him and I see my um my my good friend Cora. <laughs> Like, if Korra were ever to be evil, I feel like that's what he'd be. Just, like, that's how he'd behave. Just like, yeah, I'd wish for all the diseases of the world to be cured so that I could replace them with worse ones. <laughs> Just like, like, if Korra was evil, and sometimes he is, I feel like that's the. I feel like that's who he'd be. That Korra would have given Magical Girl Sight way higher rating. Just to trick people into watching it? Yeah, just fucking with them. <laughs> and since I never watched the series, I wouldn't know if he was lying or not. <laughs> <laughs> Journalistic integrity. But no, we place I, faith in our writers. But no, I... And the fucking Elf Village, too, that whole bit was oh, the weakest shit in the entire show oh, so far. God, that went on for so long. So long. So, uh, to give you guys an idea, um, you know the Keebler Elves? They made a joke about it for 10 minutes of a 23-minute episode. Maybe I watched episodes one and two. Heck, I might have actually watched the first three episodes then. Because, <laughs> like, seriously, if that was half of the first episode, then I probably watched the second episode. Yeah, like, I... 
some of the jokes are all right. Like one of the jokes I actually found kind of funny was just the way it was animated with like Elfo picks up a sword and then just goes like and then like stabs that giant in the eye. Yeah, no, that that was a, that was an entertaining bit. It was an entertaining but, bit, but it that was a very quick joke in yeah. an episode. And then Elfo goes over to somebody's house who they get pissed off by him praising them too much. I actually liked that bit. I thought that was funny. Again, <laughs> like, it went on a bit too long. Yeah, I'll give you that. It did go on a bit too long. But my favorite part of that joke was them leaving, him leaving. And they're like, you're ruining our lives. He was like, thank you for your wonderful food. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just this. I don't know what I was expecting going into this. But this very much. I was expecting. I'll, I'll tell, I know exactly what I was expecting. I was expecting high fantasy Futurama. That's mm. what I was expecting. I was expecting Bender's game. I was definitely not expecting that. Uh, I saw the animation style. I saw the writers. I. I'd seen what they'd done with a fantasy story before. I expected that. Not exactly Bender's game, but something with a similar sense of humor. Of, and, qu- uh, of the same quality? Yeah. Or hell, even if not of the same, similar quality. Yeah. Yeah, I, and, I, I didn't have that. I went into this like I have, I guess I've been a bit too jaded by just everything. Because so much of fucking every piece of goddamn media out nowadays is, hey, it's the return of this old, it's the return of this fucking, it's the return of these creators who created this thing you loved, and they're making a thing similar to the thing you loved. And it's like, oh, that's gonna be shit. Ouch. Because it always fucking is. It's always them trying to capture the magic of what they used to do before, instead of trying to make something actually new. Well, see, I don't think that we actually have that issue here. Because it's in... Like, it's a very different thing. Yeah, we don't have that issue. I almost feel like there's a limited scope story here that they're trying to tell. They're just not doing it very well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll give it a couple more episodes, see what happens from there. But as it is right now, it's just really disappointing. I'm probably going to keep watching it just because, fuck it. (laughs) It's a fantasy show. And there aren't very many that I'm watching right now. Are there any? Are there very many? Period. Right now, I don't think so. I think it's like Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones ripoff number seventeen. Yeah. Is Vikings fantasy at all, or is that like uh, Vikings is more historical? There's then, th- there's no yeah, overt yeah. magic in it, from what I understand. Then yeah, no. There's a uh, there's very there's like there's like three things. Yeah, fine. I like my fantasy. I like my fantasy and I like my sci-fi. If I wanted to uh, see the real world, I'd go outside. This isn't fantasy or sci-fi, but there's a new, but the new trailer is released for Man of the High Castle season three. What? Man of the High Castle is interesting. It's this. It's a alternate history. It's an alternate history 1960s where, where like the eastern side of the United States. Oh yeah, you've told me about by this. the Nazis. West Coast controlled by the Japanese, and the middle is just Wild West lawlessness in alternate history where the Axis won World War II. It's interesting. What more can you say for a lot of fucking shows out now? 
True. Also, I found out my mom was watching The Sinner today. What? My mom's been watching The Sinner. What's The Sinner? That Jessica Biel, Bill Paxton show? I don't know. You talked about is. it before. I did? Yeah, I talked about it before. It's that one where Jessica Biel, uh, just one day at the beach, just stabs a dude like 16 oh, times yeah, in the throat. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. That tells you how much uh, how much impact it had on me. Yeah, season two is currently airing. Okay. I've been meaning to get back into that. But anyway. Yeah, this chant was a disappointment. But I'm Tish, I guess. Tish. Anyway. Okay, now, what, you been, what else have you been watching? Well, uh... Given that I meant to talk about this weeks ago, it's not really on point anymore, but I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> What'd you think? I loved it. Like, There's two sides to Marvel right now, in my opinion. There's the, we're following the main story of the universe, and it's getting darker, edgier, and harder to take as more and more lives are lost. And then there's, hey, we want to make something fun. <laughs> There's the Marvel formula up till now. Yeah. And Ant-Man is firmly in the, hey, we want to make something fun. Until the very end. Like, I don't I don't want to give any spoilers, but... Uh, it's like, been, it's one been of the like post, a fucking month and a half now. It's fine. One of the post-credit scene, they touch on the, mar uh, on the expanded universe. Like, the whole rest of the movie is very self-contained. But one of the... Um, one of the final scenes, they touch on you know the darkness of the marvel universe uh and boy and, is it dark oh yeah uh ant-man shrinks down to try and collect magical particles particles from the sub-dimensions magical particles and everyone else vanishes <laughs> we do not get we do not get the incredibly dark shot of judy greer outside running around screaming cassie which, if I was making that, that's what, well, that's what I would fucking done. Fucking kill that dude's kid. But no, instead, just, you know, his girlfriend, his girlfriend's dad, and their recently re recovered mom. They're all just... Pfft. Meanwhile, he's stuck in the magic zone. Yeah. Which, honestly, I'm kind of wondering, given the way that looks, if that's Dormammu's realm. Mm, I don't think so. I don't know why, but I just don't think so. I mean, it could be. Or they could just be using very similar video co-pilot plugins to make their graphics. Mm, potentially. You buy a book and you get him at a discount. So the story of Ant-Man um, is basically like Ant-Man like got arrested. Yeah, Civil War happened. Yeah, uh, and he spent the past two years on house arrest do being quite possibly the most amazing dad on house arrest ever. Oh yeah, yeah, he's putting in the work. 
building giant fucking cardboard slides, learned to drum. Putting his fist through the electric fence so that the police instantly come to arrest him. Like, seriously. Instantly. Well, it was his, it was, yeah, it was his foot. Uh, and that, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's the thing. Is that the second, the goddamn instant that you cross a line on house arrest, then you are, then you have a SWAT team crawling up your butthole. Which is not how it works. Yeah, and like that shit has GPS and too stuff too, right? So it would be like, yeah, oh yeah, they would know. They would know. Oh, he stuck his foot outside the fence and then immediately went back into the house. We're not concerned. Well, to be fair, to be fair, that FBI agent is not very good at his job, so he probably would send a SWAT team if that happened. Yeah, true. Like, haha! I know that you were going to superhero. You just realized you were going to get caught. Which when he points to the cardboard slide going down to the going down to the hole in the fence, he's like, hmm, "Yes, yeah, a clever ruse." <laughs> yeah, he was incompetent. He was absolutely incompetent. Yeah, like both in the role of FBI agent and in the role of comedy character. Yeah, yeah. Like at one point, he asks him out to dinner. You know, because that's a joke, right? God, yeah, I did. So the, fur- the further out I get from Ant Man and the Wasp, the more problems I have with it. Oh yeah, no, it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a great movie. Like it has a ton of problems, but it's a lot of fun and easy to enjoy. Yeah, I, yeah, fine, yeah, whatever. But one of my biggest problems with the movie is the shrinking problem. Yeah, that is a weak joke that carries the entire movie. Yeah, it's really stupid. You knew that you were going to be getting him. Why did you not fix the shrinking suit? Well, that's It's be- apparently such an easy fix that you can field fix it. So permanently fix it. Yeah, but if he did that, they couldn't have the joke about how Hank only like only gives the good stuff to his daughter while Scott gets the bullshit. Except his daughter still gets guns and wings, and all Scott gets is a fucking ant. Yeah, you just you just enhanced my point. Yeah, it's a dumb joke. It's a yeah. really dumb joke. Yeah, of course, it's, it's a really a, dumb fucking joke. But it's a waste of runtime. Like, like, oh, like, oh, I, I, I'm just remembering back to like uh, when they were breaking into the school, and he has to pretend to be a student. First off, nope, he looked like a five-year-old, build-wise. I mean, no, build-wise, he, build-wise, he looks like a small thirty-five-year-old. Yes, but with that hoodie on, I could see you mistaking him, given his height, for a child or maybe a midget. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, it's, in which case, the hall monitor would not have asked. I need to see your hall pass. Have been like, uh, sir, young man, you need to come with me. Just sir. And then, what are you doing in a school? Thirty-five-year-old man wearing a hoodie, and been like, uh, uh, you don't have a visitor's pass. Well, also, he he didn't have regular pants. No, he didn't. 
Like it was an oversized sweater. Spandex. Yeah, it was an oversized sweater and then a bodysuit. And trust me, I've worked school lost and founds. There are full sets of clothing in there. Yeah. Children get naked. It's a problem. Or steal each other's clothes. That too. Also a problem. There are a lot of problems with children. Children are horrible people. They're barely people. Like My favorite animals. thing about babies that they, is that they look like little winos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But before I talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp enough to actually develop a dislike for it, uh, I want to move on. Dead Man. Yes. What year were you born in? 1992. Do you remember Big Guy and Rusty? Yeah, that's the robot show, right? Yeah. Like it's a, like it's a little kid robot Astro Boy and then like fucking the Atomic Robo? Yeah. That's actually what they were inspired by, so yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I've been, uh, Birdie bought them, uh, bought it and another thing that I'll be talking about. <laughs> yeah, Birdie, um, bought, Birdie bought Big Guy and Rusty, so you now just have those robots. Yeah, actually, I get to pilot uh, Big Guy on Saturdays, he has it the rest of the week, it's a great deal. Yeah. Uh, Rusty can go fuck himself, fuck that kid. No, uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's a it's a lot of fun, and it's something that could not be made in today's environment. Oh, at all. Um, and it's particularly like the level of fuck em, fuck yeah, America is the best. That's just ah, right. seeded throughout the whole thing. Yeah, right. especially with our modern PC sensibilities, like. We would actually be on the side of some of the villains if we were trying to make Big Guy and Rusty today. <laughs> like, yeah, those robots deserve the same rights as everybody else, and you're mistreating them. They're sentient beings. They want to destroy all of humanity. Well, maybe if you didn't treat them so poorly. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck me. This... Yeah. Remember, remember when like, liking the country you live in wasn't a bad thing? Well, I still like the country. I just don't like the person in charge of it. Yeah. No. Yeah. People don't have enough. Like people don't ha people don't have like the sent like the frame of mind to separate those two. Yeah, I know. But it's like big guy is like like he gets a patriotism enema every day. <laughs> Oh man, but it's it's a it's a very fun watch because like I grew up in the era where we got to watch things fight things, yeah. and that was it. Like there was no dressing it up with pretty sentimentality. There was no ultimate moral story at the end. There was no no. It was hey, I've got a blaster gun and you've got a face. It was mega sex meet. It, yeah, it was the it was Megas XLR that kind of shit, and it didn't get relegated to oh this is mature watching. No, this was on fucking TV for kids. Yeah, this was on for kids and shit like that. Yeah, motherfucker, we dig giant robots. It's like I am in I am of that era, so being able to go back and watch a show of that era, it just fucking blasts me back. It's like I'm I'm sitting in my time machine. 
and suddenly I'm like 10 years old with my bowl of fruity pebbles and I'm not wearing pants because I didn't wear pants on weekends when I was yeah. a kid. Who the fuck did? And, and I'm sitting I'm sitting in my I'm sitting on my bunk. My brother's sitting on his on his bunk and I've got the remote control because I'm the older brother. So fuck him. <laughs> and we, it, it's Saturday morning. So I woke his ass up because he never woke up and we're watching fucking big guy and rusty the boy robot and fuck yeah power rangers comes on later that day you can shut up we're watching this shit <laughs> oh man no i fucking i fucking love the, oh man the fucking memories <laughs> cuz it takes me back to like saturday mornings being super excited cuz that's when the good tv was on <laughs> otherwise i'd have to watch pbs all day oh, fuck that noise Seriously, we didn't have cable, so it was you PBS fucking all public day. access. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna do watch Arthur get fucked. I love Arthur, but um, I used to really dig Arthur, and then at a certain but, point, I watched an episode and just couldn't. But no, it's like, dude, I still fucking uh, remember like the songs from from their musical episode. So yeah, um, I didn't even but know no, what I'm, was I, it's like I'm I'm sitting there and like I'm watching the episode and I'm like. Oh man, I gotta wait a second. I'm not a kid anymore. Put the next episode on, Birdie. And we, it's, oh, it's so good. It's so much fun. Did you know? It, the, did you know the theme song for Arthur was made by the son of Bob Marley? Yes, I did. I did not. I did know that. Yeah, fucking Ziggy and Marley and the, of, and the Melody Makers. It's one of the greatest theme songs of all time, and it's such a shame that most of the video games don't use it. There oh, are Arthur man. video games. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, like, this actually bleeds right into the next thing I want to. Okay. It's 1998. You're a Godzilla fan. And the worst crime against cinema has ever, ever has been released. Godzilla. 1998 also known as why the fuck did they make this movie also known as that's a lot of fish yeah <laughs> so you're angry you're you're unhappy you're flipping through the channels you see the mib cartoon and then there's a commercial oh why are they advertising the 98 godzilla movie wait this is animated what what? They're making a cartoon out of that? Oh, that's going to be garbage. I have to watch that to see what it's like. I can't believe I was cheering for Iguanodon by the end of it. <laughs> I, I am dead serious. This cartoon almost makes it make that wor makes that movie worth having been made. Oh, weird. Because it's great. It's the son of Godzilla fighting. Other kaiju. They the the creators looked at the Godzilla formula, looked at the bo uh, box office revenue, and said, "Eh, we can fix this," and they did. They even make me almost tolerate the characters from the original movie. And hey, fun fact: the the Matthew Broderick character, Doctor Nico Tatopoulos. He is voiced by Ian Ziering, who some of you may recognize as one of the biker mice from Mars and the main character in the Sharknado film franchise. Oh my god, awesome. 
Yeah, this is, this is the thing I kind of love, like, going back and looking at all this shit, like, from where I am now, that I now that I know who people are. But, yeah, uh, Matthew Broderick, um, his girlfriend from the movie, and her cameraman, as far as I'm aware, are the only characters from the original, um, from the movie. But I think there were some others, like, there's two scientists that are also there that might have been in the movie that I'm just not sure about. Uh, we also get awesome French spy lady. <laughs> who is the only one who knows how to fight and is really badass? The, the French spy lady, so member of John, so member of Jean Reno's team, I guess. Yes, actually, yes, actually, <laughs> Jean Reno is the one who sent her. It is like they keep referencing this terrible movie, and I'm like, okay, I approve. <laughs> and this is another thing where I was like sitting there, like Fruit Loops ready, like just sitting there watching this cartoon that took a shitty, shitty movie that I own the soundtrack to. Why do That's you own the soundtrack to it? I was so excited for it that I got my mom to pre-order it. And she never pre-ordered things for me. Like, that's how excited I was about this movie. Okay. And then I was so mad that I never played the CD. <laughs> okay, yeah, let, let's, 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 see what, let's see what fucking songs are on there. So we got a, so we got Jamiroquai. Uh, Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page. Uh, the Ben Folds Five, Rage Against the Machine, Foo Fighters, Green Day, band called Fuzz Bubble, Michael Penn, never even fucking heard of him. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking soundtrack. But this TV show is actually when I was a kid, what revitalized my love of Godzilla. Because at this point, I hadn't seen any of the 80s Godzilla movies, and mm. the 2000 movies hadn't started coming out yet. Yeah. So all I had was the goofy-ass, shitty ones, plus, like, the first two. Yeah. And 98. And I was a kaiju fan. I loved Godzilla movies. I had actually seen a few other kaiju movies. Uh, at this point, I believe that I owned a VHS of... um. Oh, what was it called? The one with Jet Jaguar in it. Oh, fuck. I don't know, man. Yeah, I owned a VHS of that. I would, like, if if I if I was at a friend's house and they were like, hey, MST3K is on, I would sit watching. And that was how, that was actually how I got my first exposure to Godzilla. Mm. Like, I think. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. But, like, this show revitalized my love of it. So then I went out and looked for more Godzilla and I found out. That there were 80s movies, and those were so awesome. And just I, I actually can credit my love of like what is arguably a pretty terrible film franchise, because like the vast majority of the films are terrible. Yeah. To a cartoon made from a terrible movie, and like it again, it's just like I'm sitting there, I'm in my time machine, I'm being brought back, and like the programming block is over, so I'm gonna go play Pokemon Snap. <laughs> yeah, that is this show for me. So I was, I was looking up trying to figure out what movie Jet Jaguar was in with Godzilla, but I found out there was a rapper named Jet Jaguar <laughs> who's also an Eisner Award nominated comic book writer. Of course, of course. Oh man, he also but goes no. by MF Grim, Grim Reaper, GM Grim, and Build and Destroy. 
But no, if you like robots and don't mind a bit of uh, over-exaggerated patriotism, watch Big Guy and Rusty. Uh, I believe uh, Amazon has released it on DVD. Um, it's great fun. Turn your brain off for a few hours and just watch robots punch. Get some vague moral messages. Um, and just have fun. Honestly, you want to know my favorite thing about uh, Rusty? Huh. At no point is he, I want to be a real boy. He doesn't get Pinocchio syndrome. No, it's like, I'm a fucking all he wants is, dope dog. All he wants is, I want bigger guns. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, want bigger guns, Rusty. <laughs> and, like, my favorite thing about it is they actually have given him one major flaw that has carried out throughout the entirety of the series that I've watched. He doesn't have enough mass to do anything. <laughs> like he's he's powerful. He's got a huge blaster, but every time he uses it on his full power setting, and he's a kid, so he's always using it on full power. Yeah, he gets blasted back because he doesn't have enough mass to cancel out the inertial of the blast. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> he's spiraling off in the air constantly. Now I'm trying to remember. He tries to stop a big monster, and it's just like flick. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, now I'm trying to remember. So with that Godzilla 98 cartoon, for some reason in my mind, I am seeing a crossover or conflating it with a with the King Kong cartoon of that same era where people had headsets to let them take over the minds of kaiju. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. Did like I make that, that show up? If that happened, then I don't know. I do. I do know that they have implied... That there is the ability to control kaiju in this show. But no, it, it isn't just like control kaiju. It is you become them. You put on this weird headset thing, and then you go and take over their minds as yourself. I feel like that was a show. Yeah, I think it was. I, I've, I haven't looked it up ever. So for all I know, it's real and I'm just an idiot. Or it's fake and I made it up and thus I'm an amazing writer. Hell yeah. We need to get on that. But yeah, uh, so the Godzilla movie where... Uh, Pitch meetings, coming soon. The Godzilla movie where, J J where Jet Jaguar showed up was Godzilla vs. Megalon. Yeah, that one. I think I actually stole that v VHS, too. <laughs> I think it was one of my friends, he lent it to me, and then he never asked for it back. <laughs> hey, you don't ask for it back. I'm not responsible for it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but no, like... I could sit here gushing all day about the 90s because, like, in my opinion, that was, like, one of the better eras for children's entertainment uh -huh. because we were beginning to care about kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't the full on, we have to protect them from everything. Won't someone please think about the children that we are now? Uh-huh. Oh, and it wasn't the, eh, just shovel some shit at them. They'll like it. It was the era of Beast Wars and, to a lesser extent, Beast Machines. <laughs> it was the era of the original Power Rangers. It was the era of Big Guy and Rusty, of fucking Godzilla, of... It was... It was... There was so much great content out coming out then. Yeah. It was amazing. And the like the weirdest part is all of this great content was on public access. 
Like, yeah, you got commercials, but a kid could watch it without having to worry about a cable bill. It was it was this weird, beautiful time. And that's not to put down the the cartoons of our past, not to put down He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, because those were major cornerstones of my childhood as well. Uh But I feel like in the 90s, we hit a butter zone. And then the naughties happened, happened. And we got some really bad cartoons. Yeah, but in the naughties, we also got fucking Avatar. True. But that's that's when the, you started turning to cable television to get the good stuff. Like, you couldn't just get it anymore. You had to look at cable television to be able to uh, get the good stuff. Okay, so like, I... The 90s were fucking the era of gargoyles. Fucking gargoyles, man. Yeah, yeah. Gargoyles never made a day. But so I found the series. It's just called Kong the Animated Series. I just want to read this paragraph of description of this show okay when king kong fell from the skyscraper upon take upon being taken down by the biplanes a scientist named dr lorna jenkins took dna samples from him which she used to create kong with the help of the dna of her grandson jason many years later dr laura jenkins sends an email to her grandson where he and his friend eric tan tannenbaum the fourth are invited to kong's home on kong island what they didn't know is that their university professor, Ramon de la Porta, had tampered with the email so that he got invited as well. Upon arriving, the native girl Lua, uh, upon meeting the native girl Lua, the group is taken to Dr. Lorna Jenkins' lab where, Ram- where Ramon's true colors are shown. Upon getting access to the Cyberlink technology, Ramon uses it to steal some of the primal stones in a plot to take over the world. The primal stones were used to keep, de- keep the demon Kairos in his prison. With his, with his cyberlink that he can that he can merge with that can merge him with Kong, Jason and friends must work to reclaim the primal stones from Mamon de la Porta and his followers while fighting the forces of Kairos. When did this show come out? Two thousand to two thousand one. I kind of want to do a let's watch of this. So it'll just be a matter of actually finding it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm assuming that it never came out anywhere. It's apparently available on Amazon. Uh, I am there right now, but it is not. Okay, it's a, oh, you can buy the DVD on Amazon. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't really have money to throw around right now. Otherwise, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is the dumbest fucking thing. Like, who the, who the fuck was sitting down one day? I want to watch day? this. <laughs> yeah, who the fuck was sitting down one day and was like, "All right, so we need to make a TV show about King Kong." I got it. Demons. Demons. It doesn't see merging technology. Not... Cloning. As far as I can tell, it's not streaming anywhere. Fuck. Yeah, this new king. We're gonna make a new King Kong, and it's gonna be the clone of King Kong and some dude. So which one's the father? Who gives a fuck? All right. Um, that's all I have to talk about. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> so, on to me. You've heard me gush, so go watch the shows that I've told you to watch, people. Yes. Now, let's talk about Voltron. 
Season 7 has come out. And it's pretty fucking good. Well, then I have to catch up. Yeah. It, this is what happens with Voltron. I get annoyed, stop watching, and then Dead Man's like, season's pretty good. So I'm like, fuck, I'll catch up. This is, I think, the best season since those early ones. Because, okay. like, 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 this episode still has a fucking terrible, terrible filler off-brand episode that I ended up skipping. Where the Paladins of Ultron end up on a game show. When you get to the end and it's like, oh yeah, we've heard legends of the fucking game show host. He's a god who fucking judges warriors, whether they're out there worthy of being warriors. I'm just like, fuck you. No one named Bob is allowed to judge anybody. And that's his god name. His god name is Bob. But anyways, yeah, with the series, um, we get to Earth, finally. Okay. Yeah, uh, with the last season, with, with that happened, it, uh, Shiro is back and not evil and completely white-haired. He has no arm now, just straight up. No robot arm, just no arm. Um, and So it, you could say he's armless. What? Don't worry about it. And one person laughed at that joke, and that's all I need. Yeah. Uh, and the castle of lions was destroyed. So now it's just the lions out there in the world, like in space. They are low on power. They don't, can't recharge using the castle. So they're kind of fucked, and they need to get to Earth. Uh, they think it'll take them about a year and a half to get there, uh, given just you know time traveling, like traveling through space with lions at whatever speed they can muster. And we start getting a bit more into well, the, the big thing with this season is that we learned there's been a bit of a time jump because last season they went into a they went into the actual quintessence or whatever, fought Lotor, kicked his ass, did all kinds of awesome dope shit, and then they out. Uh, turns out in that time, three years have passed. Oh, wonderful! And so they are trying to get to Earth. Uh, meanwhile, Earth, um, stuff's happening there. Uh, it, it gets, it's a little bit late season, like, ha- like halfway through the season when, uh, the Earth stuff actually happens. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not gonna get too deep into that, cause the show, I, cause I think the season, like, came out, like, maybe two weeks ago. Let me just double check that. Uh, Voltron, Legendary Defender. Uh, season seven... No date listed. Fucking thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, no, wait, there it is. August 10th. It's got about two weeks ago. Yeah. So, I'm not going to get super deep into that stuff, but... Yeah, stuff's happening on Earth, um, and once they get to Earth, I really dug what they did there. But there is one thing that kind of bugs me. And it's a thing that people have been talking about online, but talking about for kind of the wrong reasons... So, in this season, we learn Shiro's gay. So? Exactly. That was the big thing. Everybody I mean, like, yay for people being positive and actually supporting homosexuality, but so? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Shiro's gay, but they handled his gayness wrong. Which I'm like, bitch, he, they handled that entire relationship wrong. Doesn't matter if he was straight, gay, or whatever. Because up until the point where we learn he was about to get married to somebody, we haven't really what? had any hint of him being in a relationship with anybody. What? Yeah, apparently Shiro had a very serious like partner who he was apparently considering marrying before he went out into space to get captured by the Galra. And they didn't mention this at all? Nope. That would have been a good drive to get home, people. Yeah, no, they introduced it this season and then killed him this season. Oh my god. Even if they had been like, and we're not going to reveal the gender, we're just going to say, my partner's waiting for me. I have to get home at some point. Yeah, just anything. But nope, it's just, yep, there. And I actually saw an article where it was like, where it was like Voltron handled Shiro's gayness wrong. And I'm like, bitch, fuck you. They handle his gayness appropriately by just treating it as, hey, it's normal. Yeah, because that's what being gay is. It's normal. Yeah. It the doesn't problem. Need to be, like, like, he doesn't need to have a rainbow flag sticking out of his butt, painting all the walls, you know. Yeah, the problem is that they did not handle their relationship well. Like, no mention of it for the entire six previous seasons then introduce the character and kill them in one season. And like, it's not even a real introduction to the character. It is, it is a scene. It is a scene during a bunch of flashbacks with a, during a bunch of fucking Keith flashbacks. Like, 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 uh, so with, with Shiro getting his fucking soul put into the body of a clone or whatever, uh, he was about to die maybe. And so Keith was like flashing back over all the events, over all the fucking things that Shiro did. And showing, like, oh, yeah, Shiro's the fucking bestest daddy. And then we just get a scene where, like, he, where, uh, it turns out he's sick, but he still demanded to go on the mission with, uh, with fucking Pidge's family. Then cut to the mess hall in the fucking garrison where his partner, Adam, is, is there. Super, thanks for rescuing. Oh, no, he's pissed. I've been waiting for you to give me an opening to go into Big Gay Al song. <laughs> yeah, Adam is fucking pissed. For understandable reasons. But then we never see him again until we see his fucking picture on his goddamn death plate. It's a bit of a spoiler. I know I said, but fuck it. That pissed me off. Just, if you want to have the death of a character means something to anybody other than the character that character was tied to. Make them a character. Show them, introduce them, have something. Fuck, during any of the goddamn other Earth, other fucking Earth flashbacks involving Shiro, have like, hey, it's Shiro and Adam. Show that they had a relationship. Show that he wasn't just this fucking ghost who showed up when he needed when he needed Shiro to be maximum sad. Don't put, don't make him the guy in the refrigerator. Which he didn't even need, because Shiro was already motivated to kill the Galra. Yeah. Shiro like, was, literally, this is a pointless killing. Shiro was his own fridge. <laughs> oh, that's too.
terrible. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're completely right. Just... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this season did have a lot of like really solid episodes to it. There was one episode that I particularly enjoyed where the five paladins, they were in their lines just kind of going along, and then all of a sudden a bunch of space shit hit them. And since since they since they were traveling with a bunch of people, but all they had were their lions, their lions like people had paired up. So like so like fucking uh, Keith was rolling around with his wolf and mom. Uh, Pidge had Pidge had I think uh, I think Coran was with Pidge or something. It, it was this weird. It was this little like spread out thing. But yeah, so they got hit by the space shit. Their lions died. And everyone else that everyone else that wasn't one of the paladins was frozen in place, including Shiro. Mm-hmm. So then they get out of their. So then their lines start drifting apart. So then they have the idea: okay, uh, Allura has a bunch of fucking wire in her goddamn thing. We will hop out, use our jetpacks, and tie the lines together so they don't float away. They get out. Space hits them. They lost their lions, and now they are now they are stuck, stranded, floating through space. And so the episode is just about is about the is about the is about the paladins slowly going insane in the vacuum of space. It's called a bottle episode, people. Yeah, and it's they're really fucking good if you can do them properly. And it had it had it it has its moments, especially it's it's a real it's a really good hunk episode. Yeah, for some reason, like hunk is getting like an odd amount of focus this time. Like even like even when they get back onto Earth, there's a big push about Hunk's parents. Ah, then Hunk will be Shiro's new lover. Nah. I say that, but I'm not even 100% certain I'm being sarcastic. Uh, well, well, uh, Hunk's rock girlfriend shows up, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. He has a rock girlfriend. Yeah. And she's there, and she's like, super down to see him. It's good. I'm glad Hunk's getting a little bit of loving. I yeah. like Hunk. Yeah, Hunk's great. And it'll be nice to see more. To, to, to and it'll be nice to hopefully not see any more think pieces about fucking Pidge. I remember Hunk. Hunk is my spirit animal. I remember watching that fucking first season, and then the official reveal that oh, Pidge is the lady, and everybody's like, and then I just fucking instant cold sweat. Just oh god, transgender think pieces. <laughs> Which they okay, aren't. Uh- like Pidge Let, isn't. Let's, let's let's take a pause right here. Um, now nothing wrong with transgender people. What some people might be thinking is that we're against transgendered, homosexual, what have you. We're, we're not. not. We're against people latching on to characters for no, no reason other than like, look at their sexuality. Like, yeah, people are desperate for representation. A character is more than sexuality. A person is more than their gender. Yeah, people are desperate for representation. Is, that it. That is what we are. That is what we are against. Yeah, people are desperate for representation, and I get that. But they latch on to things so hard and write so many goddamn fucking think pieces about it that it gets toxic almost. Yeah, it it really becomes a toxic environment to and, where, like, okay, this is actually something that I am against, but. J.K. Rowling had announced that Dumbledore was gay. And my response was, who gives a fuck? Yeah, it doesn't matter. And then I saw the internet's response, and I was like, okay, that's a response. 
because it shouldn't matter that she if like whether she wrote the character originally as gay or if she just decided they were gay no relationships had ever been officially announced it didn't matter yeah but everybody shits themselves yeah oh my god he's gay he he must have been touching harry what i actually read an article about how if Dumbledore is gay, then he must have been um, molesting Harry all that time. I was like, what? no, that does that's not the... make any sense whatsoever. He's not Kevin but Spacey. That's the kind of environment that is bred by all of these think pieces about a character's sexuality and gender. Yeah, it also, yes. doesn't, help, it also doesn't help that... Like, it also... I agree, given what I've heard about Shiro's relationship, they handled the relationship poorly, horribly. They handled his homosexuality correctly because you know what? He's a man who is in a relationship. That's why he wasn't hitting on any of the boys who were all obviously heterosexual or any of the girls who he knew all of the, who the what all, what gender all of the girls were from the get. Yeah. And <laughs> it, all, it also doesn't help with like that, with like this side of things because Pidge isn't trans. No. Like cross-dressing, there's a difference. Yeah, like there was a time again g- going back to th- the era of the past, back in the '90s and stuff. Girls could dress up like guys, guys could dress up like girls, and it wasn't like, oh my god, their true genders coming through. No, it was just a thing they did. Like she did, like Pidge didn't like fucking decide one day, Katie's dead. I am Pidge, fucking Gustafsson, or fucking whatever, and then went and it's like, no, I, she created a false persona. To infiltrate the garrison to find her family. Because they're sexists. Well, no, it wasn't because no, they're sexists. No, it wasn't sexist, they it was because she home. broke in so many times that they were on the, they were on the lookout for yeah, her. Yeah, they, would, they wouldn't have let her, let her enroll. So. Yeah, so, yeah, so guess what? Looking for a girl? I'm a dude now. And then and then once it was out that, oh, Pidge is a girl, everyone started calling her a girl. Yeah, no one cared. Which is the right reaction. Yeah, the, the, only, one who kind of if, cared, the only one who kind of cared was Lance because he was surprised because he's an idiot. I recently found out, like, and I do mean very recently, that one of my uncles was a homosexual. And my response was, really? You know, I kind of thought, but I didn't want to say anything, because I didn't want to be offensive. Yeah. But he's gay? Okay, whatever. And that, that was the end of the conversation. I haven't made fun of him for being gay. I haven't, like... The, the closest I've done is told him, oh, go play with your Barbie dolls, old man. Because he owns Barbie dolls, because he designs clothing. It's like it's it doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't like, change the person. Funnily <laughs> All enough, it does is say, "Hey, I know another piece of information about you." So, like That's five it. years ago, there was a show that was on. I think it was like five years ago or something. It, I think it was like an Australian show that started broadcasting in America. It was called Shizau. Yeah, I know about that one. Yeah, uh, it's so about those- a boy who changes into a female superhero. Well, it doesn't change to a female superhero. So for those who don't know, she's out. Uh, it was a show where in the world of the show, there is a like long standing history of this female superheroine called superhero called she's out. And it is like it is like original Batwoman style. Old school superhero of like every one of her superhero things is some kind of product associated with female that was turned into some kind of weapon. So like fucking like a hairbrush that turns into a whip or some shit, I don't know, runs around in high heels and stuff. And the joke of the show was that the new Shizau is a guy. 
And the joke wasn't about, oh, yeah, he's a, there's like a girl. Look at that. No, the joke was, look at how fucking stupid we used to treat female superheroes. But when that show came out, there were fucking assloads and assloads of right wing think pieces like, this show's trying to make your kids gay. It's made with the same chemicals they used on frogs. Well, you know, my favorite, absolute favorite joke uh, yeah. about uh, making your kids gay. 100% of homosexuals were uh, were born through uh, heterosexual uh, couplings. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know? Do you know that? Do you know that in people who die, they found a 100% commonality where people who breathe die. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a stupid factoid, but it's one that's like, yeah, gay people make gay people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You made your fucking kid, then you showed it. Then you showed him a fucking Ricky Martin video. Then all of a sudden, he started living la vida gay. Living la vida loca. Showed my kid the South Park movie. And all of a sudden, he started talking like Big Gay Al. I'm super. <laughs> God, Daddy, I need some more lipstick. I haven't. I, it all came off when I was sucking dick earlier. Seriously, I like th- this. Is the kind of like family that I had. If anybody had done that to one of us, like looked at us and like can't be gay, like immediately, immediately, all of us would have been suddenly gay, <laughs> just to piss them off. Is that Daddy, is I borrow five bucks to buy a new ascot. Mine's covered in jizz. That, that, that is my family. We had a like. We live in New Orleans, and we lived in the French Quarter. <laughs> yeah, so it was absolutely brilliant when, like, this super conservative family moved across the street from us. <laughs> oh, it was the best thing ever. Because at one like, we found out, because at one point there was a uh, protest against homosexuality or something like that, and one of them had left a sign out. And I turned to my mom and I was like, it has begun. And she's like, what? And she looked at me and was like, do you want the dress or the high heels? You know what to do, <laughs> my son. And I, I, I just looked at her and I said, both. <laughs> <laughs> just, just have a fashion show in the middle like, of the recent street? <laughs> no. Um, my aunt, Melissa, was a uh, transgender. Okay. I say, I say it was because she passed. My heart goes with her. But, um, and, like, the guy across the street didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that we did to fuck with them was send her across the street to flirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, it was, it was great. It was, because he was married. <laughs> So this super conservative religious guy flirting with, you know, my aunt. <laughs> and it's like, mm, what if your wife finds out? Oh, she'll never find out. It's just like, okay. <laughs> this neighborhood, sure neighborhood full of gays. We're moving back to Compton where it's safe. Pretty sure we ruined that marriage. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> but like, um, I... I we we like drew a rainbow and chalk on their sidewalk, <laughs> just just stupid shit, just stupid shit to get their goats. Um, did you leave them goats? No, we did not leave them goats. Did they have goats? But, that you took? 
No, but I did hang out with uh, one of their kids because uh, he went to my school for all of like six months before the parents realized it was a primarily black school. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh yeah, no, they were they were bad. Oh my and, god! Yeah, and I might have you know Put the moves on educated. I no, I, I educated him on you know gender. Like back then, I only knew about two genders: straight and gay. Those aren't genders. So, you, you know what I mean? Uh, sexual sexual identities. I only knew about two sexual identities: straight and gay. Oh. And I educated him about it. And he was like, really? That's the only difference? So gay people like prefer to be with their own gender and do everything they do with the other. Really? Because that sounds fun. Like, just hanging out with the dudes. Just like, Okay, huh. I'm, I'm just going to say this. We oh, were kids. No, I'm just going to say this. Like, nobody's going out there. Um, educating him on the sexual identities is one of the gayest things you've ever said. I know. <laughs> Uh, no, I've actually said gayer. I've said gayer. <laughs> to me? You just weren't there. No, not to you. But That's what I'm general. saying. It's one of the like, gayest things I've heard you say. Like, I have played gay people in plays before, and, like, like the, the, writer w- like, the writers would just, like, be, like, the gayest shit they could imagine. Um, because... Wait, they were playing well, gay we, chicken with you? In some cases, yes. <laughs> we need to move on, for love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, whatever you were talking about, something homosexual. I'm certain. Voltron. <laughs> yes, the gayest show on television. Season seven is really good. Well, it is all about penetration, isn't it? No. <laughs> what? No. What? <laughs> well, there's a lot of docking going on at the very least. No, not really. <sighs> well, it's four lions inserting into one another and becoming. You know, one thing. Anyway. <laughs> season 8, I think it's coming out later this year, and it'll be the final season of the show. So let's hope they stick to landing. Yeah, after four seasons, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great when we get when we get to fucking season 8, and we have a solid three seasons of television. <laughs> yeah. We're never going to let Voltron get away with that. No. Because that's some bullshit. In the incredibly, incredibly unlikely, near impossible circumstance that we ever talk to one of the stars of that show, we will say, Star of Voltron, yeah, Star of Voltron, Legendary Defenders, a three-season show now on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I I really hope, like... If that ever happens, they'll have watched an episode and be like, oh, yeah, I get the joke, so I just, I'll just i just keep my mouth shut. I won't get offended. Yeah, here's fucking hoping. I was like, why, why, would, why would they get offended? They didn't decide the episode length or True. season length. True. They, they just talk at us. Yeah. True. But anyway, speaking of seasons, Cutthroat Kitchen. Started watching that. It's 15 seasons long, and it's all Caveman's fault. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess just a bit um, background for myself. Uh, I have never been a reality TV guy. Like, back in the day, I think I used to watch, like, American Idol with my parents. Pussy. But then 
but then like I and, like I studied a season of Survivor in high school. Like that was actually work. That was actually school work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, yeah. I I I had similar assignments. Yeah, in my sociology, psychology, and anthropology class in high school, one of our things was to every week watch the latest episode of Survivor with the class. And then, huh. ans- and, then, and then answer a worksheet that, that uh, psychologically, sociologically, and anthropologically analyzed the episode of Survivor. See, I just had it in my psychology class, and we watched Big Brother. Huh. But yeah, and so... Everyone for reality TV. Then Caveman never shuts the fuck up about cooking shows. I love cooking! <laughs> and then I catch an episode of Hot Ones with Alton Brown. Hot Ones, for those who don't know, it's a YouTube series where a guy sits down with TV personality, actor, musician, internet celebrity, whatever, and feeds them uh, feeds them a selection of ten wings that are dipped in progressively hotter hot sauce. So every so every question, eat a new wing. Mm-hmm. And it's about and it's these people trying, and the show is these people trying to answer these questions. While suffering from like ninety-five million Scoville hot sauce, and Alton Brown got on that, and motherfucker, he is incredibly charismatic. <laughs> like he is my favorite TV cook. Period. Yeah, like, he is an incredible presenter, an incredible showman, a fantastic host, and so then one day I was just kind of sitting there watching a show I'll be talking about next because I hate myself. And I was like, you know what? I want to watch an Alton Brown show. So I checked up his stuff, and Cutthroat Kitchen seemed like the one that would be the most interesting for me just kind of going into it. And motherfucker, it's good. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and sit back and relax and uh, be proud of myself for finally convincing someone to watch something that I enjoy. I am two episodes into the first season of 15. And I literally, if I have nothing else to watch, I'll just put on an episode of Cutthroat Kitchen just in the background. I'm on season six. It is so good. It's like Alton is there, just fucking doing his shtick, and he is fucking amazing at it. And like, my favorite thing is when he pulls out stupid ass kitchen gadgets that, like, you look at it and it's like, why the fuck does this even exist? Yeah. And forces them to cook with it. Yeah, like, those great. are my favorite. I, I hate where it's like. Uh, and all of your kitchen utensils have to be replaced by Legos or something stupid like that. I actually don't mind those. Like, I like it. I like watching people get creative. Yeah, but I always feel like, uh, it's just, I don't get it. it yeah, like, uh, the episode I just watched, um, a lady lost all of her utensils and had to replace them with, uh, tinfoil. Yeah, see, that's good, but I recently watched one where they had to replace all of their utensils with tortillas. That one, that was a bit weak. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, like, the first episode, uh, Lady got all her utensils uh, taken away and replaced with a multi-tool. And then one guy just lost his utensils, so he had to just use his hands. Mm-hmm. And he was boiling, cra- and he's boiling crab claws and frying crab tails. So he, had, so he had to get them out of boiling water off the grill with his hands. Ow. Ooh, I know what I would have done. What is that? I would have gone over to the frying rack, pulled the frying rack off, and just dumped them into the uh, frying rack. Oh, yeah, this guy just used a, like a spaghetti strainer. 
Ooh, smart. Yeah, and I assumed that was one of the utensils you couldn't use. No, uh, hand tools. Ah, then so, you know, knives, yeah, whisks, spoons, tongs. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and he ended up winning. Yeah, I always love it when the guy who gets fucked over so hard ends up winning. Yeah, and it's pretty great. Like, like that guy got one of the things he got really fucked over on was uh, in one of the one of the things he they were making French toast. Mm-hmm. He had to make French toast. He had his eggs and milk replaced with powdered egg whites and powdered milk. Yeesh. He then had to have a frozen component. And then he also had to incorporate red wine and blue cheese. That's amazing. Yeah, so what he did was he made uh, this weird uh, like Italian kind of French toast adjacent thing called like an, called like an ansi or something. Some, some weird thing like that. Where it's essentially like French toast, but the outside is also coated with almonds. Hmm. Okay. And so made a sweet and savory thing. On one side, it was it was like that thing, but it, the inside had been scooped out and filled with strawberry ice cream. Nice. And the other one was a savory thing, where it was a slice of blue cheese on top of it, uh, gar- uh, and then uh, coated with a like a red wine sauce or something. And, like, I don't know dick about cooking. Like, you asked me to make anything more complicated than, like, fucking... Like, the, the thing I've been able to cook with mild success have been blondies. How's a blondie? It's a vanilla brownie. Okay. Yeah, I've, sounds, na- I've been able to... Sounds, eh. They're pretty good. I've been able to make them successfully 50% of the time. Wow. Yeah, like, like, so, like a lot of time, like when I when I first started making them, they came out fucking perfect. Just like, hey, these fucking great things. Uh, like the edges are edges aren't super overcooked or anything. They're just like, it was like you know that right kind of fucking just crunch on them inside, real fluffy. It's all fucking great. But then I tried it again, and oh look, half of it's unco- half of it's like only half cooked, and then also the other half of it fell off in the pan and won't get out of it. So I just gotta freeze this, and then now I just have a block of shit. But so watching these people get thrown this horse shit and seeing what they can make with it is oh, yeah, kind no. of amazing. Like some cooking shows, I'm like, I could participate in this. I know how to make these dishes. I would never want to set foot on Cutthroat Kitchen. Oh, no, God, no. Like, I don't want to end up crying. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't cry very often. I think I would cry because Alton Brown is like Alton Brown is my favorite TV chef. My mom got me a signature bought from another chef and she was like, Hey, I got you a famous chef signature. And I said, Alton Brown. And she said, no, it was this other guy. And I was like, whatever. Well, then. Fuck mom. <laughs> like, literally. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and she was like, it's like oh, what, I thought you loved TV yeah. chefs. And I was like, yeah, but Alton Brown's the only one who's like signature. I care about. Yeah, like he's, he's he's he is. I I want to own all of Good Eats. Uh, uh, that 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 is one of my goals, mother. And she's just like, shut up and take the gift. I'm like, thank you, mother. But it's not Alton Brown's signature. So stop while calling, I am stop happy, calling me mother, you fucking moron. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I am. I'm kind of hooked. And I have confronted. I have uh, converted you to the ways. 
No, man, Alton Brown pushed me over. <laughs> Alton Brown converted me. He is such he is such a personality. And he yeah, he's oh, fucking man. amazing. Uh, but moving on from that, uh, so with season two fast approaching, I decided to actually watch all of the Orville. Yeah, it's really good. It like the Orville is fucking Star Trek as hell. Yeah, no, like I still have to go back to it, but I've like thoroughly enjoyed what I've seen of it. Yeah, and I actually like the more I watch of it, the more of the more like I'm. I've, I've never watched. I've never watched a full episode of Star Trek. Just for whatever reason, I try to get into it and I can't. But watching this, there are just points where I just feel like, oh fucking, like. I feel like I'm being attacked by Star Trek. Watch some of the show. Like, uh, there's an episode with uh, Charlize Theron where she is an antiques dealer from the future who comes back in time, finds expensive, finds like, you know, historically interesting shit that was destroyed, saves it, and then brings it to the future. Cool. And so there's a point where so the episode the thing that kills them is that uh is it like this uh is like they fly into a dark matter storm and so Charlie Theron is able to navigate them out of it then takes over the ship and fucking and fucking like brings them to the future at which point they they're able to get the ship back escape blow blow up the wormhole and erase Charlie Theron from existence <laughs> There's another one where they are like relators flying around and they come across a planet sized ship that is over 2000 years old. They head inside of it and there is a full society living in this ship that do not believe that there is anything beyond their ship because they don't even know they're on a ship. Whoa. Yeah. And so the episode is about uh, is about just the Orville crew trying to like like uh, instantly like, just in confronting the religious leader who like who like you know preaches the gospel of Dural but turns out Dural was just the guy who built the ship and then and then like fixes their engines and opens up the sky dome to show them that space exists yeah it's the, the thing yeah the, I'm definitely going back into watching this yeah the the only like not star trek thing about it that I can think of is they don't seem to have any kind of prime directive like so Correct me if I'm wrong, but like Prime Directive is just until a until a civilization gets warp level technology, we won't interfere with them. Something like that. Yeah, with this, they don't really do that. They just kind of just kind of show up, go, "Yo, what's up? We're from the Orville. Check out my space shit. This is a robot. Want to hang? Like not that chill, but yeah, that's just the kind of thing. They just kind of show up and go, "Hi, we're from space." Even if the people, even if the people who are there, don't have the same level of technology as they do from space. Hmm. Yeah, but it's 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 fine. It, uh, that's, that's like a that's like a relatively. That's not even a complaint. That's just a this is an observation. Yeah. The complaint is this is way too Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> just a lot of it is kind of like Enchanted or when or Disenchantment or when I talked about it a while back. A million ways to die in the West. Just jokes that aren't that funny to begin with being stretched out way too long. Yeah. Like the first episode, the dick joke. 
with the Arbor Day tree. Like like they fucking like uh, for those who haven't seen the first episode, they have this little they have a, they have a ray a beam or whatever that that accelerates time within a fixed environment. Just like just like you know aim the thing, then time advances forward. And they also have these little mm-hmm. uh, they also have the little seeds that can grow a redwood within a hundred years, and no matter what the environment is. Yeah, being attacked by the, being attacked by this evil alien fucking organization. They glue a fucking seed to the front of the gun. Send it over, fire the gun off. Before he does, uh, the captain goes, Happy Arbor Day. And then the gun goes off, giant tree forms. And everybody's like, What's Arbor Day? And he explains what Arbor Day is like, Oh, I'm going with like a Gotwood joke. And then everybody agrees. For like I'm still mad seconds. about that joke. Yeah, like, the humor <laughs> in this show works best when it is just quick. Just, just like, you know, it doesn't really register as a joke, it just kind of happens, go. But. So much of it is we have to stop the entire progress of the show to have it happen. And that that's a lot of Seth MacFarlane stuff where he will stop what he will stop forward progression just to tell a joke for for 45 seconds. Which is a shame cuz like their some of their like less low key, lower key jokes I think work. Like this wasn't really a joke just kind of like a little character bit. But he's but like when he's introducing the crew, it's like, hey, you know, my sec, my fucking second helmsman or whatever. And the guy's like, hey, previous captain, let's have soda on the bridge. Like, yeah, just keep it under the desk. And then later in the episode, we see him pull up a thing of soda and take a drink. Like I like that. That was a that was a funny little bit for me. Not, not like a fucking super hilarious joke or whatever. Just like, a little, oh yeah, that happened. And it was a good. I thought it was a good character bit for him. And even like the stupid marble joke, I kind of chuckled at. Just beginning thing, he goes in to get his own ship. He's like, he's like talking. He's like, hey, can I have one of these mints? Put it in his mouth. That's marbles. Spit it out. Continue. Yeah, that's a good bit. But if it had been like, put like, puts a marble in, spits it back out, and then has a forty-five second speech about why, why the fuck you have a bowl of marbles in your desk? It looks like mints. That would just be terrible. Yeah. But, see, like. Long form humor can work very well. Yeah, but you need to have he's a long form joke. He's just not very joke. good at it. Yeah, he's that's because he, he doesn't do long form jokes. He does, he does one off like quick jokes that he then stretches out into long form. Yeah. Every single joke that has gone on too long, it's been we got one bit. This is the bit, and the rest of the bit is commenting on the nature of the bit. But like when the show is just doing Star Trek stuff, it is, it's pretty great. Like it doesn't, it never reaches really like a real intellectual level, like like alongside Star Trek. But it tries. Like the one episode comes to mind with that stuff is, uh, I think it's a story of a girl or something. It's the bit where uh, Bordis, the Bordis, he's the wharf of the zero. The guy he comes from a single gender species, and. He and his partner give birth to a daughter, and by his by his civilization's laws, if a if a if a baby is born a girl, they get gender reassignment surgery at birth, basically. And the episode is about confronting the society, confronting their idea of child rearing, gender, all that shit, and 
trying to disprove that. And eventually they get to the point where they like actually bring over, like they find their society's greatest writer, greatest philosopher, whatever, turns that it's a woman. Mm. Get to the end of the episode, they change the gender anyway. No real, no real thing with it. It just kind of, it's like, like, we're going to change baby gender. You shouldn't. That's bad. Here's some proof. We did it anyway. I have no idea how Star Trek would have handled an episode like that because I'm not a smart person. Nor a very smart writer. In all honesty, I could see the Star Trek episode going similarly. Like, they work their asses off to prove that what they're doing is either wrong or nonsensical, and then in the end, them doing it anyway, and, like, them be- there being a spiel about no matter how much you think of a, what a society is doing is wrong, all you can do is try and change their minds, and if they refuse, then at least you've attempted to try or something like that. Okay, there you go. Didn't do that. Like, I'm I- not smart. I've just watched a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, they just kind of... They just kind of said, kiss my spirit animal. Yeah, they just kind of said, yeah, we did it. And then, then fade to credits. Uh, another thing that, uh, another joke that they did um, recently that also kind of flopped a bit for me was, um, so Isaac, he is a, he is their like science officer or whatever. He is data. Just, he's a robot. And so. Isn't he really bigoted against humans? Uh, supposedly. Yeah, like when we first meet him, it's like our Kalon's like historically racist, but he hasn't really shown anything to be. But he hasn't really shown anything to be, to be super racist. He's just kind of been like, "Yeah, our technology is better. We're better than you. Fuck off." Yeah, not really racist. Just kind of, yo computers. Correct. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, computers." But yeah, and so he is, and so uh, they're all sitting around watching an episode of Seinfeld, the junior main episode of Seinfeld. And everybody's laughing, and Isaac goes, what is humor? Uh-oh. And so, the, and so they start trying to, and so uh, the helmsman, Gord, uh, he, tries to, he tries to show him what humor is by playing a practical joke on him by taping a bunch of Mr. Potato Head pieces to his head. Because, you know, his, his face is just featureless. It's just a fucking visor with two glowing dots behind it. Mm-hmm. So, put, so he puts a bunch, so he puts, like, you know, Mr. Potato Head, nose, mustache, Mouth, ears, hat, eyes. While he's while he's while he's recharging, it's like, hey, I got you, dude. It's like, all right, now you get me. All right, yeah. So, so then he just tries to explain to him in very broad terms what a prank is, and so then Isaac cuts off his leg and hides it. And that's the joke. That's about my reaction to it, too. Yeah. Just. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm still digging the Orville. I, I'm going to be finished up this season and then getting back with full thoughts on season one of the Orville. But for now, it's solid. Like four episodes in. I'll try to knock out the uh, knock out Orville and Voltron so that by the next time we record, so that I can give my thoughts on it too. Alrighty, 
And then final thing to talk about. So every once in a while, I'll mention a series on the anime podcast called Gantz. Gantz is a series I read when I like to feel hate. Okay. Just every once in a while, I'm just like, I need to feel like disgusted. I need to feel vitriol towards people. That's what Gantz does for me. I occasionally also need to watch something that sucks. So I started rewatching Arrow. <laughs> Just, I want to get the full context of this fucking horse shit. So I'm starting from season one again. I want to build my way up to the point where Felicity ends her fucking paralyzed, um, paralyzed arc by walking out of her relationship. You know, after having just nuked a town. You know, that old chestnut. Yeah. And going back to season one, this show had potential. Like, season one is rough. They're still very much finding their footing in, the, in that first season. But there are moments of, like, just really good, genuine character stuff, I, th I feel. And, like, some of the action, while it's not necessarily well shot or, like, it's not, it's not greatly, it's not, like, really well shot or really well choreographed. But you can see fucking hints of going forward what they're going to be doing with it. And a lot of it does work and we remember season two season two was kind of the pinnacle of that stuff like season two had fucking an awesome villain great story good overall stuff just like laurel got worse but like fuck laurel <laughs> laurel is the worst the best thing to come out of arrow is uh white canary <laughs> yeah uh, uh, adam uh, i suppose suppose we have him to have arrow it's pretty to thank. good no I, I was saying we i suppose we have arrow to thank for uh, the adam suppose nothing that's where he's introduced yeah that's where he built the suit man yeah yeah i get it i get it <laughs> you are really you are really hell-bent on not giving arrow any fucking credit no because it's it it tried and then stopped trying it, it like gave up uh, and yeah, the thing that kind of spurred me onto this was um, I watched uh, a series of YouTube video essays about the rise and fall of Arrow, where it was just a season by season breakdown of the show, showing where it went wrong. And I didn't notice this when I was watching it, but apparently, so like in season three or something, like the season where they said like, "Hey, yeah, he's the Green Arrow now." They didn't change the costume at all. They actually went back in the footage and edited a slight green filter to make his suit look more vibrant. Oh no, honey, no. So in certain scenes in uh, in like one of the, in like season three or four or whatever, you can just see the character have this slight green fuzz around him, and occasionally his suit will turn to black because it goes back to the regular colors with the regular color palette. Honey, no. Just they, my God, like they started out just like, Hey, we have this fucking concept. We have this, we have this aesthetic. We're going for it. Going to season two and they go in way harder. 
And season two worked fucking awesomely, I think. Like, from what I remember season two, I haven't gotten back to it yet, but season two was just good television. Minus Laurel. <laughs> Look, nothing against Katie Cassidy as a person, as an actress, whatever. Laurel is terrible. Laurel is fucking cancer. And in that fucking first season, when goddamn Tommy Merlin or whatever calls her Dinah Laurel Lance, I here now in the year 2018 nearly shit myself in anger. Just like, fuck you, show. And she doesn't get better. She gets progressively worse until she eventually dies and gets brought back as a different character. Yay! This character is an evil. And is working with Ben from Lost. Because he's a season-long villain, I think. Yay! I have no idea. I haven't gotten there yet. But... Yeah, with season three, they like started trying to hedge their bets by like lightening it up a bit and also just ripping literally a Batman story. Because I'm pretty sure season three was the stuff with the League of Assassins and Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, which I think so. I'm pretty sure. Which like, you know, season one, people were like, yo, Batman. Season three is fucking yo, Batman. Season three just is Batman and then going to season four okay yeah, season four was Damien was Damien Dark stuff where it's like hey I'm the green arrow woo he's green green I don't have sleeves check out my fucking pythons shoot an arrow with these fuckers I don't even need a bow just an elastic band and I can fucking shoot this shit and yeah, from what I've heard, season five is all right, and then season six shits itself again. But also, I, a character that they are pushing really hard, or who is like becoming a mainstay of the series, is Wild Dog, who is yet another in a long line of a guy with a gun, which I still find hilarious. They had this ever-expanding world of fucking superheroes. They got speedsters. They got screaming people. They got aliens. They got, yeah, a lady with a stick, but who also came back from the dead and was possessed by a demon. All kinds of shit. And then you have a dude They've with got a gun. Time-traveling overlords. Yeah, and then a dude with a hockey mask and a pistol. Yay. Not even a big gun. Just fucking gats. Arrow has sincere, Arrow has severely fallen behind in near every aspect of their place in the world and their importance in the world. Because, like, like yeah, Batman, Batman is weird when you consider like his fucking role in a lot of these goddamn shows and stuff. But with like, within Justice League fucking animated series, he knew what he was, and he played into that. Mm-hmm. Arrow doesn't. When they are going up against the fucking Dominators, Arrow is on the front lines with Supergirl. Yeah. And Diggle's right <gasps> there with him. 
That is dumb on so many levels. And what's even dumber is there was a training sequence earlier where the entirety of Team Arrow was fighting Supergirl and couldn't do shit to her. Then suddenly the entirety of Team Arrow is able to one-on-one fight the Dominators and kill them. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly how that, how that would have happened if Batman had been there. Me go out there? Are you nuts? I haven't finished building my giant robot suit. You're going to go hold them off while I finish the giant robot suit so I can actually fight on par with you. My, my idea of what Batman would be doing is, yeah, you guys fight them. I'm going to sneak into this alien ship and hack it. <laughs> uh, less likely hack, more likely I'm going to blow up their power cords to the crashing into the city. Something like that. Superman, like- you've got to redirect it into the river. Yeah, something like that, you know, like what they did in the first fucking arc of the Justice League TV series. Yeah. Introduce Martian Manhunter. Have the fucking white Martians come down. Batman knows he can't do shit. So, so hey, John, mask my mind as I sneak around and do shit. Tell them I'm dead. It'll be more believable. Yeah, and then he shows up. Sup, bitches? Fucking darkness, no parents, motherfucker. First try. <laughs> yeah. Only this Batman genuinely means it. Yeah. Like, fucking, he goes up against Darkseid, not to fight him, just to fuck with him. Uh-huh. Like, yo, I activated all your goddamn nukes. Fucking let her go, or we'll all die. I'm Batman. Yeah, or failing that, he just runs away really good. Like that was that was his thing in fucking that, that was his goddamn thing in uh in Justice League. Just just the thing that he did the thing that he did to impress Darkseid was he ran away gooder than anybody else. <laughs> and then it, and then it's like, "Oh, you're going after my buddy. I'm going to jump on you to distract you, giving him time to get up." Oh, I lost all my ribs. Okay. I'm still shocked that Batman hasn't tried the Hey Darkseid, there's something over there <laughs> trick on like, like it feels like Batman would try it just to see if it works No, I think Dick point. Grayson would try that Yeah, yeah Bruce Wayne Dick would Grayson, not yeah. Dick Grayson has done that, I'm certain I mean, probably Jason Todd tried to do that, he's like, hey look over there and then just shoots him have you seen Red Hood's new design? No, I have not. It's I've terrible. Seen Red Hood's guns. It is terrible. Like, like he has. So he so well. A he has a hood now for real. It's the first. It's the first incarnation of the Red Hood who actually wears a hood. But he has two scabbards on his back. One for a sword. One for a crowbar. What? Yeah, he has a crowbar scabbard. Okay. I'm actually going to send you the image. It is the most fucking... I don't want to. We'll get we'll I don't fucking want bad. to see the stupidity. It is the most... It is the most 1990s goddamn thing you will ever fucking see. Boom. Oh my god. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, that is so stupid. Right? 
are we sure this isn't just an image that was pulled up from the dark age of comics? Nope, this is an official image released by DC Comics to introduce the new look of Jason Todd as the Red Hood in Red Hood and the Outlaws number 25. This is terrible. Like, this this design is wrong on so many levels. No. First off... He's wearing fingerless gloves. Yeah, yeah, he is. Because he's a so biker. So there's a bunch of evidence you're leaving behind. And who checks for fingerprints? The cops. Then why hasn't anybody found out that Clark Kent is Superman? Because Clark Kent hasn't ever been fingerprinted. How do you know? He probably got a speeding ticket. He's an idiot. He was a teenager once. Hell, in a superhero comic that I read, Superman fucking attacked a house full of people with guns once when he was a teenager. Can we move on from the depressing stupidity? Yes, let's. So, yeah, that's all I've been watching. Uh, don't watch Arrow. Leave that to me, an idiot. Thankfully, he has not managed to convince me to go back to watching Arrow yet. Ooh, coming soon. Shooting Arrow. No! <laughs> Wait, will we do a good season or a bad season? Oh, bad, obviously. Damn. Maybe the season after Felicity nukes a town. Anyway, that's about watching then. On to news. So first up, uh, Danny Boyle, director. Director, he's been around for a while. People love him. Uh, he had signed on to direct the newest Bond movie, Bond 25. He ain't doing that no more. Just weeks ahead of going into filming, uh, the director has left uh, over a creative dispute around the villain. Yeah, so um, according to Sources talking to the Telegraph. Uh, the split was due to a fallout over the over the cat over the choice to cast uh, Tomas Cat Tomas Cot as the main villain. Uh, he is a Polish actor, um, starring a bunch of shit, and he was described as quote a left field villain for Bond. And according to the sources, uh, yeah, Daniel Craig is kind of the one who was Daniel Craig is apparently has a lot of power over actually. Deciding who to, who to get, get cast in these fucking movies now. Okay. And. Yeah, he was. I, I guess like he. It, this article isn't. This article doesn't make it very clear. But they're going for like a. They're going for like a modern Cold War. Thing with this. And Danny Boyle was like, yeah, this decision. The casting shit's weird. So. Because of that he got fired. Or, no, didn't get fired, sorry. He left the project due to creative differences. With the press release saying this, making very sure to point out that, that yes, Danny Boyle left. He wasn't fired, he left. So, yeah, just weeks before, just weeks before production was set to begin, lost the director. We'll see where that goes. Moving on. The internet's kind of suddenly favorite actor, Brendan Fraser, has been cast in the live-action adaptation of Doom Patrol. There's a live-action adaptation of Doom Patrol? 
Yes, apparently. Okay. Yeah. It is uh, set to come out in 2019. Uh, it is being written by Jeremy Carver, who worked on Being Human and Supernatural, who will also be serving as the showrunner. The American Being Human? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so he is serving as the showrunner um, and executive producer alongside Berlanti, Jeff Johns, and Sarah Schechter. It will be on the DC Universe streaming service. Uh, Which, that's a fucking thing. And we'll have Brendan Fraser playing uh, Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man. Which, that'll be interesting. That's an interesting casting choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's odd. I am... Mm, yeah, this is going to be weird. So, so uh, Brendan Fraser will not be in the robot bits. He'll be, she'll be shown in flashbacks and doing voiceover for Robot Man. While a different guy is doing, like, performance capture or performance on the actual fucking... With the actual... I'm not sure if it's going to be, like, a suit or just CG. Uh, given the look of, say, a uh, given the look of a different um, live-action DC Universe show, Titans, uh, I'm assuming a costume. Oh, that'd be cool. At least practical effects, you know what I mean? Have you seen the trailer for Titans? True. I have, and... True. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is out here. This is happening. Uh, for those who don't know, Doom Patrol is a... Doom Patrol's a weird team. Like, both in terms of concept and in terms of... In the world itself. Like, the, the, the Doom Patrol is made up of weirdos and outcasts in the superhero world. Like, Robot Man, who was a race car driver who got in a car accident, and the only thing that survived was his brain that was put inside a robot shell. Uh, Negative Man who is a man covered in bandages because he is made of radiation now, I think. Uh, Elastigirl, not that one. And Crazy Jane, a woman with dissociative identity disorder that has like fucking 95 or 28 or something. Some, some high number of individual personalities that each have their own superpowers. That are, that are all accessed through this like mental subway station in her brain. And it's all being led by Dr. Niles Calder, a.k.a. The Chief, who, depending on the version of Doom Patrol you're reading, was the one who caused all this to happen. He's the one who caused the, he's the, one who caused the car crash that turned Cliff Steele into Robot Man. He did the science that made Negative Man. All that shit. Yeah, so according to the full synopsis of Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol picks up after the events of Titans... As they're called to action. What? Yeah, according yeah, according to this thing, picking up after the events of Titans, Doom Patrol will find these reluctant heroes in a place they never expected to be, called to action by none other than Cyborg, who comes to them with a mission hard to refuse, but with a warning that is hard to ignore. Their lives will never, ever be the same. My face has been frozen in disgust. Yeah. For the past like two minutes. Yep, that's fair. I love the Doom Patrol. The Doom Patrol is an amazing book, especially the Grant Morrison run. Characters are awesome. All that shit. The fucking Gerard Way run recently was fucking dope as hell. Oh, man. That. <laughs> oh, God. 
That Gerard Way run. What the main antagonist of that is a character who was withheld due to copyright. But like not actually because he's a fake character. He's a fake character made for a fake copyright for a joke. I I don't know what that response means. I'm just I'm this is making me more and more tired just thinking about Doom Patrol's great. Yeah, Doom Patrol's great. It's just Yeah. Anywho, we'll run along. Uh so speaking with I guess some kind of stuff. Uh, the head of... Yeah, so... Head of the uh, film unit of Netflix, uh, Scott Stuber. I recently came out and talked about a bunch of their stuff, like numbers, films, like trying to get more trying to get more films being made with Netflix and not just being known for the television shows. And in doing so, uh, announced that they're, that they're working on a Death Note sequel. No. Yes, because apparently, because no. apparently, Death Note was quote a sizable success. How people watched it? No, they're making a sequel to Bright too, dude. Why? Because people watched it. Mm. Yeah, you can read more about I guess his strategy over on this fucking. On a Hollywood Reporter article, but yeah, just that was the thing that kind of stuck out of just, yeah, fucking getting Death Note 2, y'all. Remember that bit where the first movie ended and it was implied that fucking Ryuk was going to kill Light? Or Light was going to die or something? Guess not. Or maybe it did. We got a new whole new character. Who the fuck knows? I kind of hope it's the latter because then I will be able to go into it without judging it based on the manga or the anime? I'm still going to judge it based on the anime. Like, yeah, but it won't be such a one-to-one comparison of, hey, this light is fucking garbage. Such garbage. It will be, hey, we have a new character who isn't light. We will compare him to light, but it will not be a, which light is better? Or more appropriately, why is this light worse? It won't be that. It'll just be, we have a new protagonist now. Which is something. If that is the case, I just made all that up, so fucking, I'm probably fucked. Maybe they'll introduce the Death Eraser in the sequel. Yeah. I think I need to vomit. For those that don't know, there was a chapter zero, or like a before story, where some kids got the, had a hold of the Death Note, wrote in it, and then they also got an eraser to let them erase the name and bring that person back to life. Uh, yeah. Uh, Move right along. Paramount is making a live-action Door of the Explorer. Uh, Michael Pena's in it. Andy Malongoria is in it. Playing... They're both playing fucking Door of the Explorer's parents. Uh, this is a thing that is happening. Yeah, also it's starring the girl from Transformers 5. 
Her actress's name is Isabella Moner, Isabella Moner pl- known for playing the character of Isabella. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This this is happening. This is happening for some reason. Also, do you know in 2016 they made a fucking Legends of the Hidden Temple movie? Yes. Starring this same person? I did not know that. And starring a guy named named Jet Jurgensmeyer. Fucking what? What the crap? I have fallen down a weird rabbit hole where all of a sudden I'm looking up fucking characters who are in who are in fucking the little rascals. Oh god, why? Because So that was one more lady was in Legend of the Hidden Temple movie, which I did not know they made. Then I saw the name then I saw the name Jet Jurgensmeyer, and I'm like, oh that's a fucking name. Then I saw that this. Then I saw that this kid played Spanky in a 2014 Little Rascals movie. And then I fell down the rabbit hole of looking into fucking Spanky. You know, as you are wont to do. No, I tend to avoid rabbit holes pretty much in in entirety. I always end up tripping out of one and into another. Just over and over again. So yeah, that does it for news. New releases-wise, this week we got some fucking bangers. First up is the Happy Times murder. I'm actually passably curious about it. It's apparently pretty bad. Oh, there goes that curiosity. Yep. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, this is a fucking shame, man. Like, uh, like if they had done this relatively seriously, like, 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 have the comedy not be Melissa McCarthy, but have the comedy just be the concept, but treat it as like a relatively straightforward fucking noir murder. That could have been pretty great. I, I feel like I, I could, I am totally down for. Some weird fucking deconstruction of noir through Muppets. Yeah, that sounds entertaining. That's what I kind of thought we were going to get. But then Melissa McCarthy got cast in it. Melissa McCarthy is not capable of subtlety or subterfuge or any kind of thing that is required for a deconstruction. She will run in there, make a loud noise, complain about soup or something, and then fall on her ass. I don't like Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I feel like I've laughed at something that she's done before. Oh yeah, probably because watching people fall down is funny. But that's kind of all she has. All's coming out this week. Uh, fucking Axel. I saw a trailer for this movie, and I don't know why it exists. What is it? So Axel is a movie about a about a young about a young attractive teen who finds a robot dog. 
I remember seeing a poster for that and then being like, why the fuck does this need to exist? Exactly. I think it was when I was seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. So apparently this thing is based off of a proof-of-concept short film that was made off of Kickstarter by the guy who directed this movie. Uh. Yeah, according to the campaign, the short film, quote, is a movie about blurring the boundaries between humanity and technology set in the off-roading world of Central California. And it got picked up by Goyer. Fucking Goyer. And it's starring somebody I've never heard of. Whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce. And the Yellow Ranger from the from the 2016 Power, Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Also, hey, this isn't like a fucking uh, news or anything, but apparently, there may apparently um, the company that now owns Power Rangers is trying to make a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Now that ha- now that Hasbro owns the entirety of Power Rangers, they're just making a sequel. Which, yeah, if they fucking bring the cast back, that I I'd, I'd, I'd see that. Yeah, I'll watch it. It'll probably be a straight to Netflix affair, though, not like a full feature length release. Or full, like, I'll still watch release. it. Yeah, I'll probably be I'll, I'll be more likely to watch it when it's if it's fucking straight to Netflix. No way in hell am I dropping fucking theater money to go see a fucking Power Ranger sequel. Yeah, that's coming out this week. Next week, nothing. Well, nothing of note. Yeah, I'm looking at new releases coming out next week, and it's. Yeah, fuck, what? I have not heard of any of these fucking movies. <laughs> wow. And it's our job to hear about them, so at the very least, Dead Man should have heard about them. The one that looks like it will it'll probably be like the bigger one, or at least the more ambitious one, is uh, Operation Finale. Because it has Oscar Isaacs and Ben Kingsley. And it's about, like, Nazis or something, I think. Because the image is a pair of glasses over a bloody portrait, over a bloody, like, uh, profile of Ben Kingsley's face, and the glasses have a swastika carved into him. But then there's also Destination Wedding, starring Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. The movie called Destination Wedding has a harder rating than the movie about hunting down a Nazi. Hmm. Yeah, the Nazi movie's PG-13. Destination Wedding is R. That seems... That seems inappropriate. The only other thing that seems to be of note, at least based on the title, is Let the Corpses Tan. What? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I want to say French. Yeah, French-ish kind of movie. And the cover is like a throwback to old school, like grindhouse things. 
Because like, it's like a weird fucking sci-fi glove going underwater or something as a silhouette of a lady with the sun coming out of her vagina holding a gun. Yeah. Movies are weird. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back at some point with more of this fucking shit. Oh, God, I'm tired. You and me both, brother. Still then, though, I'm dead. And I'm caveman. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time.